Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 217 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Wednesday evening. It's midweek, but uh, joining me as often, the great Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. Hello, Brad. Thanks for having me on, as always. Uh, lots of stuff to talk about. Not every not every week we do one on a, what is it, a Wednesday going into Thursday here, but um, lots of good stuff to chat about, so it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, like we've been trying to deliver a podcast every 10 days or less during this time, even though it's so weird. And we had Carlos Colazzo, good friend of the pod, on last week talk about the uh, 2020 MLB draft, which is, by the way, fast approaching. And we have plenty of content on the site and uh, on the network about that particular event that's coming in, by the way, less than two weeks, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but yeah. uh, in advance of that, we're n- we'll do no draft today because that is not the expertise of either Scott or myself. <laughs> There is uh, some stuff to talk about with regard to the potential season. And I say potential because it looks, at some points, depending on who you ask, uh, a little bit less uh, encouraging today than maybe it did a couple of days ago. But we'll get into that and the reasoning why. And we'll sort of end with something that Scott wrote about, actually, um, earlier today on TalkingChop.com. Okay, well, the first thing is the... I'm sure people have noticed this by now or have read about it by now somewhere, but... um, in short, there was a, uh, a rather a rather big development in the negotiations between the Player Association and baseball side. Just for the quick explainer, obviously back in March, the two sides agreed to a plan that would pay the players a prorated salary if they were to play. And essentially, um, you know, the proration is about half of what they would be getting paid because that's about what half the games that they'll be scheduled to play if this all happens as it has been proposed. Um, the players are trying to, at least have been trying to, maintain that that, are, that that agreement is the agreement that still exists now. Owners do not want to do that, and they're trying to come to some sort of compromise. And Tuesday was supposed to be a day where the the owners kind of gave their first real proposal offering of such to the players. And uh, honestly, they have to kind of hurry, which is kind of the biggest thing here, is that the proposed timeline kind of requires them, or at least loosely requires baseball at least spring training stuff to kind of start within the next couple of weeks which means they have to get this thing going um so all that said uh there was a lot of reporting on this from ken rosenthal and evan drellish of the athletic as well as jeff passon of espn but uh essentially it didn't go well in terms of the player side uh, rosenthal and drellich quoted an agent as saying that he had and i'm quoting now never seen a collective response and quote like the one he's seeing from the proposal on the player side and he said and i'm quoting again they are livid end quote. And the official statement that was released by the Player Association uh, referenced the proposal as including a massive additional pay cut and the union is, quote, extremely disappointed, end quote. So I say all that, Scott. Some of this stuff is not 
interesting in normal circumstances because people don't always love to get into the weeds. And I'm not an expert on this, neither are you, but what I think is safe to say is that the two sides are not very close right now. And because of what I said before about how there is a time factor here, it's not exactly encouraging. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, as we record this, we're in the last week of May. And of course, this was originally kind of the the optimistic date that baseball might return. And, and the fact that this was billed as such a big, important week in the negotiations and what comes out over the last two days is, as you said, the players are livid. And and I totally side with the players in this situation. I mean, they they agreed there was there was a agreement between the owners and the players maybe two months ago that the players would forego half of their salary and then of of course how many games they play it was going to be kind of on a sliding scale if they play 80 games they get that percentage if they play 70 games they get that percentage um so for them to come to this agreement and work it out with owners and the league and all that to then come back two months later and the owners say oh by the way we want to cut your salary another 50 percent off the 50 percent you've already taken i mean that's whether you're a millionaire or you make minimum wage, it's not hard to see why you would be livid, why you'd be frustrated. Um, it kind of feels like the players, in a sense, here had had the rug pulled out from under them by the by ownership. So um, it, it doesn't sound good. Um, it, it really doesn't. I, I obviously want to see baseball. Everybody does, but I think as every day passes, um, whenever you're getting statements like the ones that that agents were getting Rosenthal and, and Passan the last 48 hours. You really have to wonder if, I mean, this is just the money side of it too, and we'll go into the other hurdles to clear, but the fact that owners have really kind of become the bad guys and all this, I think everybody figured the owners were going to be sticklers. I know you and I talked about just how much they'd be willing to pay, and at the time they agreed to the 50% cut, and but the sliding scale, um, but obviously now they're looking at more like a 75% cut uh, based on games played, and I, I don't blame the players one bit for being furious. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it's worth saying. Like, I don't often just take a blind side on things, but I'm generally pro player uh, for sure. I think um, it's worth noting that players almost always, and this is across sports, they lose the they lose the PR battle because there is a faction of sports fans that just refuse to see the player side, and they just think of it as players um, need to kind of just shut up and play to because they're earning so much money and, you know, anybody would love to play that. And I, I get there's that whole angle out there that I don't think either of us take, but that is part of the calculus is that I think owners realize that PR-wise they usually win, um, unfortunately, in these negotiations, and they can kind of draw a hard line. They're also a lot more rich than the players are. Players have a lot of money, yeah. but and we'll talk about this more now as we get going here, but there are a lot of players, you know, two-thirds, basically, of the player pool is scheduled to make uh, $1 million or less this year. And I, I know they're all making more than I am, and I know they're all making more than you are, Scott, but it's not like these guys are billionaire rich in the way that owners are. Obviously, Mike Trout is rich beyond the wild, my wildest dreams, but there are plenty sure. of guys who are not. Um, sure. they are, they're certainly making a lot of money on an annual basis, but... You have to also also remember that um, even if you play at the league minimum for a couple years, um, you know if you don't ever make it beyond that to like an, another big deal, um, baseball doesn't go on forever, and you can only play till a certain yeah. age, and then you got to figure something else out. And if you've only banked, I say only, but if you've only you know took home two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars a year for a couple years, that's huge money for me and you. But that's not gonna, that's not necessarily something you can live off of the, for the rest of your life. No. Um, so it's um, keep that in mind when you're talking about all this stuff. 
But yeah, I I, I generally agree. I'm I'm pro player here, and especially this time around because they, the two sides have an agreement, and the owners are basically balking at it. And I I sort of get why they are because if they were not smart enough or not didn't have the foresight enough, I think all, all of us back in March probably didn't know what we know now in terms of what was going to happen. Um, yeah. I, will, I will be candid about the fact that I had a lot of things wrong. If I would have been trying to guess what was going to happen, I was wrong about a lot of things. Uh, but still, they made an agreement, and the players are just saying, hey, this is the agreement. And they're even willing to compromise a little bit because the players, I think they know deep down, it's not going to be the whole prorated salary, and they know it. It's going to have to be some sort of negotiation. But the haircut we're talking about here is uh, pretty substantial. And I think you know it is worth pointing out, this was the first the first offer from the owners and I'm again, I'm not pro owner here, but this was the first offer. And generally when you're negotiating, you start by being aggressive. Sure. So that's at least something to point out that, you know, I, I doubt that ownership thought that this is going to go over well. They probably knew it wasn't going to go over well. <laughs> yeah. And then you see where it settles, but still. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it never is in your favor whenever you, uh, you know, if you were negotiating a car and you and your head came out and offered, you said, yeah, I'll take it for the very highest dollar you were going to pay for it. I mean, why would you do that, right? You, you ask for a couple thousand dollars below that and you work your way to the middle and hopefully come to a deal. So, I mean, you're right. Both sides uh, had zero incentive to come out of the gates um, lowering their stance. Um, you know, it is interesting. Something I saw that was being discussed is you know you have the, these players in the MLBPA and, and they are just that they're players they're former players and many of them are very educated and well versed on on the rules but then you think about kind of who they're going up against and these are longtime business execs uh, they have board of directors I mean this isn't their first round of negotiations right whether in baseball or any other arena so right. um, someone pointed that out I thought it was kind of an interesting you know you talk about the experience that uh, you know, a, a team owner might have and, and finances and working on negotiations versus, you know, a player rep who's been doing it for two years uh, because his teammates wanted him to represent them. Uh, it, it is an interesting dynamic, to be sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the player association is not necessarily highly regarded. And the leadership right now has not been 100 percent approval rating, but they're going to do their best here and we'll see what happens. Um, for some specifics, uh, you referenced this before, but the money is the biggest thing, and essentially what was proposed was like a tiered system that takes the most money away from the highest paid players, which I guess on some level makes some sense, but this is also pretty drastic. Uh, players making the minimum, which is about $560,000, would basically already be down to about $285,000 on the prorated basis, which is the agreement that was already in place. And from here, this plan only had them going down by about 10%. So they only would quote-unquote, lose about 30 grand, which is a lot of money, but not an incredible amount. Um, another example on this proposal is a player making $5 million this season, which is a you know relatively normal sort of mid-tier salary, was already set to take a haircut down to $2.5 million or so, and, and then the proposed figure here from the owners was down to $1.6 million. So you're losing you know 900 grand in that scenario out of, two, out of $2.5 million. You go up one level... To a $10 million contract, which the Braves have a couple guys near that range, um, they were scheduled to do to make about $5.06 million prorated, and now it would be about, under, the, under this pr uh, proposal, would be about $2.95 million, so that's $2 million less, um, all the way up and up and up to you know $20 million would be making $5 million or so, 
so a quarter of their proposed salary. And Mike Trout is as the highest level. He would be taking the biggest haircut of all. He has a proposed salary. You know, it's thirty-seven million or so. He'd be making uh, a only an only quote unquote seven seven figure salary, which is a massive a massive difference, frankly. Um, the only the only positive, I suppose, if you want to find one in this offer for the players, is that the proposal did include two hundred million dollars total in playoff bonuses. With uh, sort of tiers going up, basically just to complete this. So I, from my reading of this, is basically if all the playoffs happen and they generate the revenue as a result of that, um, the players get some more money. But even then, most of that's going to go to the higher tiered players. And uh, this is kind of a funny one for me. The the guys making the minimum would only make an additional five thousand five hundred and twelve dollars, even if the whole season happened. Which is oh my goodness. That's yeah. before tax, and that's before taxes. So you're, they're bringing home an extra, you know, thirty five hundred dollars, maybe under that maybe. plan for for, yeah. for for going all the way through the World Series. So <laughs> it's uh again, I don't want to get too bogged down to this. I mean, people were making fun of this, and with good reason about you know just how crazy this kind of, this offer was, even as a first offer from ownership, and it's gonna change. This is just the first offer, but um, yeah, it's just. You know, two thirds of the league makes one million dollars or less, and I think it's also important that I think ownership did this on purpose. This is there's there's some um, some more labor friendly people, people that know more about this than I do, but this also is sort of tactical by owners from what I have been reading that they know two thirds of the players' association is not making a lot of money, um, relatively so, of course, a million dollars or less, and if you take the least from them, they're going to be less angry. Um, so you try basically they're trying to drive a wedge in the middle of the players association to try to bust it up a little bit and create some friction, which is, you know, you could argue that's smart, but it is, uh, you could see, ultimately you could see a little bit of a divide in the players association between the guys who have a lot of money and are making a lot of money versus the guys who need to make the money right now. And who are also hurt a little bit less or a lot Mm -hmm. less in some cases by this offer. No, you're absolutely right. And as you said, for every Freddie Freeman and Mike Trout who were ungodly rich, you you do have those those relievers who have three months of big league service time and and have made you know again decent money. I don't act like making you know 250k in a season is bad money, but again, you're you're not just talking about doing this every year for the rest of their lives. They're, and they're and, and by the way, I mean, and just not, not 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 to cut you off, but like. Even, there, are, there are some really good players, and granted, they're young and they're pre-R, they're pre-R players, but like Mike Soroka's making the minimum right now. Sure. And if Mike Soroka, God forbid, has suffers an injury making making two hundred grand this season, and it and it impacts his career, like that's I know it's part of baseball, but man, it's brutal. Like anyone, sure. one of the angles, and I'm gonna let you finish too, but I just remember this before I forget to say it. Anybody who is like up for free agency next year, like what is their incentive to play? Like, hmm. especially if you're, if they're going to command, like for instance, Mookie Betts, that's, that's one example. He's the number one free agent on the market next year, right? Mookie Betts, yeah. if he, if, if Mookie Betts sits out, he's going to make a nine figure salary. Easily. Almost. I mean, very easily. If he plays this year and makes pennies on, on his dollar, it's still a lot of money, but he's going to make, you know, five, $6 million this year. That's a lot of money. But if you're going to talk about making five, six million dollars versus his original deal that would be in the 20, 20 something million dollar range and mm-hmm. take on the risk and all of that stuff, what's to say that Mookie Betts has any incentive to play this year knowing that he is putting his nine figure contract at risk on top of everything else? 
Mm-hmm. So that's a one-off, but there's a lot of guys who are, you know, in line for theoretical paydays in free agency that might have even more incentive to be like, guys, why, why would I play? Like, what, what's the what's the reason? I mean, I know you want to be a team player, all that stuff, and you want to honor your contract, but the contract's kind of out the window at this point. No one's <laughs> contract is going to be what's supposed to be. And that's just something that it's going to come up, I think, for some, at least one. It would not surprise me if we saw, even if they agree, you might see a guy or two be like, nah, not, not going to do it. <laughs> and I, I, I'm not sure if I can blame them that much. I mean, you could sort of fur your eyebrow a little bit, but if you, if, you, if I put it in that terms of, of Mookie Betts in particular, you're talking about five million or so for this year, versus maybe two hundred million guaranteed if he if he doesn't play and just shuts it down. I mm-hmm. don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, it, you, as you bring it up, it kind of sounds like the uh, the infamous college football bowl game situation, right? Like yep. these kids know they're they're a couple months away from millions of dollars. Why would they? risk you know playing in a, in a game or two and yeah they they tear every ligament in their knee all of a sudden they've gone from making 15 million dollars guaranteed to you know a fraction of that so you're right i mean i i get it i get why players are frustrated i get why owners want to save money i mean they are sure they, they do i get it they don't have money coming in they're still paying some you know they, they still have some expenses but um yeah, I mean, this whole thing is really pretty ugly. I was hoping it was going to go smoother, and it seems like the other sports, of course. I mean, of course, the NFL has – they have the luxury of time. And yep. uh, basketball and hockey both had you know 80% or so of their seasons completed, and it sounds like they're working on some kind of playoff thing. So baseball is for sure at the biggest disadvantage on timing because they didn't have the luxury of neither one playing most of their season and they can just ramp up for playoffs or – still having you know was it six months to prepare like football does um so they are certainly at a disadvantage i think this is also it's worth mentioning of course that for years we've heard about this uh kind of friction between the players and the owners and the league um that's only it's this is only throwing more gasoline on the fire and and uh you know again there's a little bit of time here but they don't exactly have unlimited days and, and weeks to figure out something yeah these two sides are famously antagonistic and this first offer is not going to make it any better. Let, let, let's make let's make that very clear. Um, yeah. They already they already don't get along. There was already a lot of worry about the CBA negotiations after this season because that's that's the other thing that's looming here is that these two sides have to come to a, to an agreement on a new CBA, or we'll be seeing a lockout and or you know or a strike um, for next season. That's in play too. So they're 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 trying they're trying to kind of put the bandaid on right now, and they're going to have to redo this thing again very shortly and the two sides are dug in in a big way and yeah i i you know i can if, if i want to sympathize with, with the ownership side i don't really but if, if i try to you know like you said they're not bringing in money um it's not like completely out of bounds for them to try to negotiate something that's a little bit less than prorated salaries but the tack they're taking is just it's one of they know they have the power they know they have more money than players do this is how it always works um and, you know, also just the, the dishonesty that's out there from ownership. Um, and this happens in every sport, but especially in baseball where you're not operating with a salary cap and your books are really not open to the public. Sure. Finances are just very much a mystery. Um, and I think everyone understands, even people that are pro-owner understand that these owners are not 100% truthful on what is baseball income and what is not. <laughs> and there, <laughs> some of them claim losses and there's no way they're losing money. Like that, that kind of stuff. Um, resale values of franchises, et cetera, without going into that much depth on that. Um, I'm sure they're all going to be, be, be able to show something that says, look, we're going to lose money this year if we pay these salaries. But 
the players also have a brain and they realize that, you know, there's an argument above and beyond. Even if you believed the owners 100% on their books, which I don't, um, no. the argument would be, look, man, you can take a haircut here um, for the good of the sport and the good of your franchise value. Because if you just cancel a season and everyone knows that the biggest reason or the main reason you cancel a season is for money right now in the middle of the, uh, middle, in the middle, in the middle of the pandemic, the PR is going to be just such a disaster. It sure. can't be overstated. Like, you know, the, I was young in 94 when it happened. I do. I have read about it. I've no, you know, I've anecdotally heard things about it. It took a while for people to come back to baseball. Uh, obviously the diehards will be here. You and I will still be watching baseball. If they cancel the season, we st- we'll still love baseball. But the the casual fans, the people that generate a lot of money for the sport, might just bail, and at least some of them will bail. And it's it's just bad for business if they, if they don't play this year. And you have to look long term, even if you know, even if you assume that they're going to lose money. And I, and I don't. But even if you just took, put the, put that on the table, there's a strong argument to say, look, ownership, for the good of the league, the good of your franchise value, the good of the future of the sport, uh, just take the take the hit once in your life. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, working at, and I hope that, and it sounds like I was optimistic about reading something um, that players were going to present, you know, prorated salaries or deferred money, um, you know, deferred, say that, you know, yeah, we're going to agree to the 50% or whatever, and, and half of it is due now, and half of it is due in two or three years, so teams can, you know, quote unquote, prepare for the financial hardship or whatever they're going to frame it as. You know, I would hope that the negotiations aren't getting so ugly that they aren't talking anymore. Right. There, there's so much money involved for everybody involved here that you would hope that they can work through it on top of the other hurdles they have to clear. Um, so I hope that even as we're hearing these reports and with good reason that the players are furious and pissed off as, as they should be, that the two sides are still able to kind of sit down as adults and, and talk it out and say, OK, what about this? And, you know, well, we don't like this, but we like this option. And what do you think? You know what I mean? So hopefully they're able to, to kind of work it out. And again, none of this is ideal. Nobody asked for this. Hopefully, you know, instead of doing and talking about this, I think everybody would rather be watching baseball right about now. <laughs> but um, who knows? Maybe maybe cooler heads will prevail and they'll work on something uh, and get everybody paid. And everyone's going to take a haircut this year. There's no doubt about it. Um, but hopefully they're able to amend their differences because the one thing baseball does not want is for the NBA and NHL to put on just an awesome product in the next month or two or three and for football to be similar if you know pretty a little bit closer to business as usual and baseball's the black sheep that couldn't work out anything and uh you know owners are mad players are mad fans are mad I, I don't think anybody wants that by any means totally agree and uh you know because of almost it's ironic that because they've gotten so far down so far down in terms of the negotiations they've gotten so far, quote unquote, or so close, and they have these proposals on the table, that almost makes it worse if they don't do it. Like it, it would have almost been easier for them, PR wise, to just cancel the season two months ago, like completely, than it would be to get all this way and then haggle over money and fail to come to an agreement. Like that's going to look even worse, um, PR wise, because it would have been. I mean, people would have been upset still a month ago if they had canceled. But it would have been an easier sell to a lot of people if it was for health reasons or if it was just a logistical nightmare. Now, everyone kind of agrees that, yeah, there might be some health stuff as well. And there's certainly some safety issues as part of the negotiations. But everything you read, everything you hear, 
money is the, is the is the driving issue and the wedge between, between the two sides. And that's just not going to go over well. Yeah. It's just the reality. No, situation. you're right. I mean, if they said, look, players are not all in here. They're worried. They, they don't want to fly around the country in, in airplanes, and I totally get it. They don't want to be you know, spending half of their days in hotels that they don't know and, and all. Like, I, I get it. They don't want to be in a shared locker room with 50 other people. Again, I totally get it. But you're right. At this point, it really is clear that, at least publicly, the money has been the biggest sticking point, and, and that's an ugly look all the way around. For sure. Uh, any any final thoughts? You know, obviously there's going to be a lot of twists and turns. I think this whole week they didn't meet today, which is why there's no news, at least no breaking news since Tuesday. Um, with our luck, they'll probably have some sort of bombshell in a couple hours. Um, but anything else that you want to add? We'll obviously touch on it if they come to an agreement. We'll probably do an emergency pseudo emergency podcast. But that's all I got for now. Yeah, I think that's all I have. I mean, it, it's a shame. I think everyone was hoping that this. Uh, would go a lot smoother than it has, and it, it has not. Um, you know, hopefully over the next seven to ten days they can figure out something. But I don't think anyone is really holding their breath at this point. Yeah, I uh, agree. Okay, we we have much more to come on the podcast uh, after this quick break. So hold on. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. Those with ambitious, out of reach ideas, begging to become real solutions. They share a vision for how our world and our lives can thrive when bold thinking meets strong silicon. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy through the power of supercomputing. They dream of trust and privacy for all, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to build something better, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Scott, let's talk about a couple little things here that are, I guess, non-broad. Um, there is a little one, one of these topics that I want to touch on real quickly <laughs> is money-related and league-related. Um, I'm not trying to pick on the A's, the Oakland Athletics, I should say. But um, they got a lot of bad PR the last couple of days. I feel like it was worth bringing up because the Braves are doing the right thing so far and paying employees and, uh, you know, everyone's doing their own thing. I understand franchises are in different situations, but the A's are uh, furloughing professional scouts next week, amateur scouts after that. And uh, three quarters of their player development staff could be furloughed. Baseball, baseball ops employees who aren't furloughed will have pay reductions. And the big one that got a lot of attention earlier this week is that they told all of their minor leaguers on Tuesday that they won't be paying them starting at the end of this month, which is four days from now. Granted, they're only getting $400 a week for minor, league, minor, league, minor leaguers right now, which is not a lot of money. And it's just comical how, how underpaid these guys are. But still, that's money you can live on and do some things with. Um Jeff Passan of ESPN estimated that if you assume just the $400 a week payments through the end of August, which is basically the end of the season and what minor leaguers are expecting to get paid, um, it would only cost the A's a total, this is a total figure for the entire minor league system of just over $1 million in capital. Now, 
you and I don't, you and I don't have a million dollars laying around. I, I get that. That's a lot of money. But when you consider that's paying for three months of an entire minor league baseball system, that's not that much money. And yeah. the A's owner is worth about two million dollars, two billion with a B dollars reportedly. Mm-hmm. That's bad. They're they're also over, they're also reportedly overdue on their rent on the stadium. Like I don't even know what's going on with the A's. Like are they not solvent? I mean it's it's baffling to me. But I mean when you fit, when you literally just break it down and say you're gonna take the incredible PR hit on top of just the you know just being a being a human being, you would not want to have minor league like all your minor league players not making any money for three months. But even if you ignored that, which I definitely would not. But even if you ignore that, the PR hit alone is not worth a. It's one million dollars to a guy who has two billion. Yeah. I'm absolutely baffled by this. You got the worst advice imaginable. Whoever decided this, it's like I, I get that you might be able to sell furloughs right now because everybody's furloughing across the country. I get all that. Pay reductions, okay. You you know you could see all sides. To just say, and I'm getting mad about this as I'm talking. You probably you could probably, you could probably hear that, but. To just say to a bunch of minor leaguers, you know what? We can't pay you for three months. And the total cost is like $1 million yeah. to a billionaire. It, it literally blows my mind to the point where we, we would not talk about this on a Braves podcast usually. And I put it on the outline because it would just it bothered me. There you go. No, I mean, dude, I'm right with you. I mean, it is it's terrible. And, and the A's are not alone in this, but they have by They're far not. been the worst. I mean, I, yes. I think of all of this. The, the couple of things that stand out to me, first of all, they're going to start furloughing all of their scouts right after the draft. Um, Which why is too now. <laughs> I mean, I guess if they already have their information, but if you're a scout, why would you have any incentive to try to put together a good draft right now? You know, like, hey, we want you to do all this hard work. It's the biggest two week stretch of your of your year. And by the way, uh, literally the day after the draft, you're furloughed indefinitely. And we don't know when we're going to – if or when we're going to bring you back because there's been questions about even if they will hire these 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 guys and gals back because you know, why, why would they? I mean this is a, a profession that has kind of taken a hit in recent years. Teams have been laying off scouts and hiring more player development and research types. Um, so that was maybe my uh, – biggest eye raiser you're going to tell these people that you're going to let them go a day after the draft um you're right if you're a player in the a's organization and you know it runs through your head as you're laying in bed at night figuring out what you're going to do next you know i'm not worth sixteen hundred dollars a month to to a a baseball team to a professional major league team she said owner worth two billion dollars i mean again it's it's literally money just to like live and eat off of 400 bucks a week 400 dollars yeah. Is like it's just not a lot of money, man. Like four hundred dollars no. a week. I am. I am not. I would say I am not uh, anything approaching wealthy, and I would have a hard time living on four hundred dollars a week. Yep. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I. I am not flush with cash by any means, uh, and like just do the math in your head. Like if you're if you're you know listening to this podcast, four hundred dollars a week as your only source of income because they can't really do anything else right now. Right. Because I mean, because as of this moment, they have not canceled the minor league season, which is funny to me, but they have not because <laughs> it's not going to happen. There's no way, but they have not canceled the minor league season. And also as part of this, they're not allowed to play for anybody else. Like they can't right. go to, they can't go to an independent league and play. 
because they're under contract with the, with the A's. So you're you're basically ensuring that they cannot make any money. They're granted they can go get a job. I get that, but baseball is their primary thing that they're trying to do right. in life. And a lot of these guys are like real prospects. I mean, not, they're not they may not be Ronald Acuna, but this this applies to their top prospects. Sure. Now, those guys, I'm sure, got some bonus money in the draft and stuff that they have that they can kind of have stashed away. But you know, you could pick their tenth rated prospect. That guy's making four hundred dollars a week right now, and it's about to be it's about to be zero. It's right. just, I don't know, it blows my mind. And like you said, they're not alone. But that that one, the thing about not paying the minor leaguers and minor league pay has been a it's a problem. It's a big problem already under normal circumstances. And uh, I know we talked about this on the on, on the past. I know Eric's talked about it in the past. But uh, this one stuck out to me, so I wanted to make sure we mentioned it. Yeah, well, and I think the A's history of, I mean, you know, the infamous uh, sewers backing up and flooding into the, the clubhouse and the dugout. I mean, you know, this is not a team, this is not the New York Yankees who randomly did this, right? Um, and, and I get it, not all owners and franchises are created equal, but again, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. This really rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, a horrendous PR hit for the A's and, and it's a shame. Hopefully the players come out. All right. Cause yeah, I mean, do you really want your, uh, you know, your number three pitching prospect? I mean, literally making sandwiches at subway for the next few months to help pay the bills. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's a real shame and, and what a mess for the A's and some other teams around the league. But again, it's, it's a real shame and for them to drop the ball on and really only give them about a week of notice. And, and it's not just the players, as we said, the scouts and front office development type folks, you know, those, those types uh, might not have had the luxury of a million dollar signing bonus or, a, or, or whatever it may be. So um, yeah, it, it's a real bummer and, and shame on the A's that that's about as low as you can go and um, really just not cool at all. We briefly discussed this last week with Carlos, but um, there's this free for all that's going to happen after the five round draft where teams are capped on what they can pay guys. Um, can you imagine any prospect right now um, if pay is equal? And by the way, pay will be equal for anyone that's out of the outside the first five rounds choosing to sign with the A's. <laughs> no, I, I, that, yeah, I mean right. that, that, that's, that's a point. subplot. But without you know, if you're your typical sixth round pick, quote unquote, that's going to be underpaid at twenty k, which is the cap. Um, what possible lure does the would the A's have to a to a prospect that would be one of the top hundred guys that was undrafted? Sure. No, you're like, absolutely right. None. What, what I mean, they're going to look and say, "Okay, why would I sign with you?" Like I know right. the A's have done a good job baseball wise in terms of overperforming their money. I get all that, and I'm not crapping on the baseball side because they're not making this decision. This is ownership. Like this is not Billy Bean that's decided to do this. Obviously. Um, and they've done a great job, you know, the money ball, all that stuff. The A's have actually, baseball-wise, done a very good job on a very low budget for a long time. But it, it, it also screws them in that way. And that, that, that's relatively small in terms, of this, in terms of this one draft. But it just makes your organization look so bad. So, like, for agency yeah. in the future, may, the guys may not care if the money is the same. But, I don't know. It's just such it's such a bad PR thing. That yeah, I can't, I can't no, it, it's also it cruel. <laughs> it really is, man. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, this this sucks. It, it makes you want to wish that you know. For years, they've talked about moving the A's out of Oakland, maybe being team, maybe being sold. I mean, if there was ever a time for a uh, a sharp businessman or woman to buy that team and get them out of there and move them to Vegas or Portland or something like that, it would it would I think make everybody feel a little bit better uh, based on everything that's gone on in the last couple of days. Yeah. Okay. No more A's. I'm sorry for that little uh, 
I would say, yeah, turn to the left, whatever it was. Here I am. Uh, last thing on the podcast is actually something that you generated because you wrote about sports today, Scott. Yes. Thank you for doing. Thank you for doing that. Um, I'm gonna let you tee it up because you wrote about it. People should go. People should still go read the post, but we're gonna talk about it here. So I'll let you tee it up. Yeah. So uh, MLB trade rumors has done a pretty cool uh, series, if you will. And so far, they've done about half the teams in the league, though they haven't done the Braves yet. But their idea was, let's say that this summer there was a expansion team being added to the league. Um, and you could effectively protect 15 players from your organization. Now, again, it's no guarantee that uh, if you don't protect, you know, if one of your players who is on that list, list of 15, it's not like you lose them. Um, and the idea is, is that, uh, you know, all contracts apply, all service time applies. So really, you could protect 15 players from the Braves organization, whether it's Ronald Acuna or the backup uh, catcher in Rome. And who would your 15 be? So, I mean, for me, there was a handful of, of obvious ones. I know, Brad, we were chatting a little bit about this, but uh, should we go through the obvious 12 here, or at least my obvious 12? Uh, yeah, I think that I think at least. But yeah, I don't know. Like, at I, least I don't, like eight or nine. I was gonna say I, I don't. I don't know if everyone's gonna agree with all 12 of the locks. I, I do agree with your 12 locks, but at minimum, there's got to be eight or nine that are just absolute no-brainers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Again, uh, Ronald Acuna, one. Uh, Ozzy Albies, two. I mean, again, you don't need to <laughs> think too hard about that one. Uh, Mike Soroka, three. Yep. Young, cheap, very good. Um, Max Freed, again, yep. young, cheap. Had a great year last year. Worried a little bit. He was a little bit down on my my hypothetical rung just because he has had the elbow surgery years ago now. But, you know, the, he had the blister issue, and he's had a couple of injuries. But um, then you have the big leaguers, Freddie Freeman, obviously not going anywhere. Um, even if he is, you know, some, somebody's like, well, you know, Freddie's on the wrong side of 30 and he's going to make a lot of money, but you you can't let a a player of that type go. Um, moving on, uh, Dansby Swanson, who was somebody who maybe wasn't the first one in my head because he's, he's been, I don't want to say a bust, but a little bit of a letdown. He's yet to put together that one great season. We've, we of course have been teased by him at times. Um, but again, Dansby, he's only 26, 27 has three more years of control, um, see so Dansby, uh, Austin Riley, uh, another one you just, you couldn't let him go. Anybody who has shown they can at least dominate big league pitching, even if it was for f- four or five really good weeks. Um, again, you talk about age and upside and six years of control. Um, I really think if, if this was a real thing, teams would prioritize the control so much more, um, because of that. Um, and then you have kind of the, we'll call it the prospect here. Um, Kristen Pache, Kyle Wright. Drew Waters, not top 100 prospect Drew Waters, uh, <laughs> Ian Anderson, and uh, Shea Langoliers, uh, the former first-round pick. Again, those guys are all fairly obvious. I think they were the consensus or close to consensus uh, top 100 guys. Um, a couple of them you would never let go in any situation. Um, catchers are such a premium that Langoliers would would obviously make that list. Um, and even if you're a little worried about or want to take a sure thing over the, the pitching prospects, which are such a dime a dozen, um, I think Wright and Anderson right now are clearly um, in their own little echelon at the top. And then you have a, a maybe half dozen or so other pitching prospects um, after them. Yeah, I, I think your, your 12 are the 12 that I would choose. I know um, – and this is where I get into the to the area where I am not an expert by any means, so I will rely on uh, guys like Eric and the crew. Um, I know that um, 
William Contreras was actually higher than Langoliers on our prospect rankings, mm. on our TC preseason prospect rankings. Um, I, I don't know enough about either of them, candidly, to give me to give a real answer on why. Um, but that's just worth keeping in mind. William Contreras is a real prospect as well. Um, Langoliers is the bigger name and the more recent draftee, et cetera. Um, sure. And I, I would lean that way just because just of the recent pedigree and all that stuff. But keep that in mind. Um, and... A couple other minor league options that I, again, I'm, I'm not an expert on that we could potentially consider here. Um, Kyle Muller, you have uh, Bryce Wilson, and maybe Braden Shoemake. Yeah. Uh, you just typed a name in our in our in our, uh, in, our in our shared in our shared document. It made, it made me uh, scratch my head. Um, I don't think we could do it. I'll, I'll let you say it though. I'll let you say who it is. I don't know, Tukey? I, I kind of want to believe in Tukey's script. No, I mean... I still believe. I know. And he's still young. I mean, he feels like he's older than he is, Tukey Toussaint. But um, but again, right, there's that kind of... It really, for this exercise, and again, it's all for you know, entertainment purposes only. Um, but if you had to protect 15, I think that 12 is is pretty clear. Even if you're a really big uh, Braden Shoemake fan, I think you would at least have to think about him. Um, or, or whoever of those. You're right about Contreras. Maybe I'm a little. I'm not super super high on Contreras. I would have Langoliers before him. But again, I mean, catchers are such a premium. Um, maybe yeah, he would. I, I'm just giving you the name so you don't get anybody yelling at you. Um, even from our staff about not having William Contreras on the list or anything. I mean, I, I tend to agree that I would try to avoid pitching prospects if they're not really good. So I'm with you. Like I think I think Wright and Anderson are good enough to where you just do that. Um, whereas I would uh, put them ahead of Muller and Wilson. That's fine with me. Um, yep. I don't know. The only other guy that you mention, you know, I think people are going to recoil when we talk about Dansby, but the combination of there is some safety there with his defense. He's sure. been a major leaguer and a helpful, a helpful major leaguer. He's also not making much money and the position. And also just to be candid, there are not a lot of great options on the major league side for the Braves. Um, he, the guys, I'll let you talk about the guys that you did go with that are the three major leaguers, but there really are not a ton of major league options that make a lot of sense, honestly, mm-hmm. for yeah. the future. I mean, guys like Cole Hamels, you wouldn't want to take Cole Hamels to keep for the future. Like, he's he's helpful right now. Same with Marcelo Zuna. Like, you're not going to take a guy on a one-year contract. That doesn't make any sense. Right, right. Yeah, so to round out the rest of the list, so I went with big leaguers instead of prospects for kind of my final three. Uh, Mike Fultonevich, which some people uh, raised a question with, that's perfectly fine. He's only under control for two years. He's been a little Jekyll and Hyde. But, I mean, for me, big league pitching, proven big league pitching is so hard to find. And uh, even after the injury last year, he showed how good he could be. I know he's had some some uh, gaffes in the playoffs, uh, not all of which is necessarily his fault. But, uh, but I had Fulte. Uh, Will Smith, uh, who of course hasn't even pitched a game yet, but I think the fact um, dominant relievers are so hard to find, and I know there's some volatility there, but he has been so good for the last couple of years. Again, I know fans haven't really gotten a chance to see much of him since he's been out with the Giants. Uh, you know, when he's when he's coming on to close out games, it's about one in the morning in Atlanta. Um, but I would I would do Will Smith. It's it, last two postseasons, the bullpen has absolutely killed the Braves, and I think there's a reason. The front office went so aggressive and spending on a bullpen and really teams that have been successful in recent years have have invested in their bullpens. Again, you have to do it smartly and and pick the right guys. But that has been a trend. 
Um, and then finally, I picked Johan Camargo, which uh, we, we chatted about a little bit. Um, I like Camargo. I, I probably like him a little bit more than most others. Um, you know, I, to me, he represents a – I don't know if a proven commodity is the right word for him, but he has <sighs> shown that he's had a good year. He was really good in 2018, had a good spring. The versatility on a team, you know, when, when you can realistically move him to four or five positions – uh, on a team that's trying to compete in 2020, 21. Um, for me, I would take him over, I guess, a, a flyer of, of Braden Shoemake or, or uh, Kyle Muller or someone like that. So that would that was my 15. Yeah, I honestly think, you know, people know my thoughts on Camargo. Uh, and they're, I'm not super high. I, I do I do think, though, that it's just not this is not good radio, but I, the 15 that you picked or the 15 that I would pick. Um, and I'm not like... It's, there, there are some, there's some wiggle room here. For instance, I, I think Fulte is kind of a lock. Frankly, I, I would choose Fulte before Riley. Hmm. That, that's, that's probably me being lower on Riley. And just also to what you said though, Fulte, you know, the safety is not off the charts, but the fact that he is still in his twenties, and even when he has been not very good, he's still a major league starting pitcher. That's yeah. proven. I mean, if, if he was that's a free valuable. agent, yeah, like if he would have been a free agent, I think Fulty would have no trouble getting, you know, four years, sixty million dollars. Oh, he would he would get real money if he was available on the market right now. Now you can, I'm not the biggest. I don't think either of us are the biggest Fulty fans in the world, but you're still controlling him. Like I know he's making money, but again, the the other options just aren't very good. So I, I get the like immediate recoil at a couple of these major league guys, um, whether it be. Swanson, I guess, or Fulte, or especially Camargo, because that's the one where, honestly, when I looked at this, I was like, before before I looked at it, before I made my own list, I saw yours and I was like, Camargo, really? And then I looked at it and I'm thinking, I think he's the right answer, mm-hmm. just because there isn't anybody else. So, you know, for instance, I said I mentioned Hamels and Ozuna earlier as guys you can't really take because they're on one year contracts. The same would go for Mark Melanson, who's who's a good a good player, but is only on under contract for one more season. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were in love with Marcakis, he's on the one-year contract. Um, the catchers, no thanks. Um, yeah. Sean Newcomb would be a guy that you might want to consider, but even then, I think he's a reliever. Um, and yeah. yeah, Sean Newcomb is pretty good, but you know, I would still rather have Camargo than Sean Newcomb moving forward in terms of what I think the roles are going to be there. Yeah, that that one is that. If you want to, if you want to argue Newcomb Newcomb over Camargo for me, I wouldn't yell at you. Um, mm-hmm. that's one, I think Newcomb is the only other major leaguer that I could argue on behalf of, frankly. Maybe. Yeah. The only other one I'm thinking of that we haven't mentioned is Ender maybe. Yeah. Defense and center field. I mean, I know there's, we could go down the rabbit hole about defense versus offense and all that trade off. No, I, I think, I think Ender's actually kind of weirdly underrated right now, which is kind of funny because he was overrated for some as a hitter anyway, for a while, but he's someone who is. Yeah. Okay. I probably I should I should have been I should, I should not have been as dismissive of Ender. The only point I'll make about Ender is that I'm not sure that's a valuable that's a value contract because he's he's owed I think it's like eight million and twenty one and nine million and twenty two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That isn't terrible for him, but if you're paying him that, he kind of has to be your everyday center fielder. Um, which is, we're, we're sort of been, we're sort of in the rabbit hole here, but um, oh, for what for what you're gonna yeah. pay. You know, that's kind of you're paying starter money. Yeah, it's fair money for what he. Yeah, it's fine. So yeah, okay. I I think Ender is a consideration. I, I that was my fault. I should have put him on on my list to consider. And 
another he's another guy if you want to argue him over Camargo I'd be totally fine with that because I think flat out he's a better baseball player than than Camargo is Camargo you get the you get he's younger and much cheaper that's the argument for Camargo versus Ender I think Ender's a better baseball player pretty I, I'm pretty confident in that actually um, yeah. for this season it's just if you're looking for an expansion draft to keep a guy you're looking some to the future for sure and his age and money would be part of the part of the calculus. Yeah. Yeah. So again, you know, it's fun. And I encourage people <clears throat> not to, to hype up my own little post on talkingchop.com here, but uh, I encourage people to, you know, do it in your head, comment, whatever. Tweet in the at comments. Me, tell me I'm dumb. Um, I can't yeah, wait. So. I actually can't wait to ask Eric. I should have asked Eric about this because I think Eric's list would be like six major leaguers and mm-hmm. nine prospects or something. Yeah. Because Bryce honestly, Ball, Trey Harris, yeah. If you're, yeah, if you're, if you're, if you're a prospect guy like Eric is, you know, the only for me anyway, the only locks that are major leaguers that like absolutely have to be there are Acuna, Albie, Soroka, Freeman, and Freed. Yeah, I think Swanson and Riley are perfectly good inclusions, and I would have them on my list. But it's really the Braves have. For this perp, for this exercise, which is basically guys who are locked up long term, or at least more than one season, it's just those five, for me, that are like absolutely you have to have these guys on the list, sure. and everybody else, everybody else, if you wanted to run it up with with uh, with ten prospects, <laughs> I wouldn't do yeah, that. You can but do if, it fairly easy. But you yeah. could sell it. I mean, it's a it's a good system, and you know if you're if you're if Eric wants to tell me that Trey Harris is a better pick to keep than. Johan Camargo, like who am I gonna who am I gonna who, who am I gonna yeah. argue with? Not Eric. I'm not gonna argue with Eric. Come on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's fun. I mean, there's really no, as you said, there, there's maybe a half dozen or so guys who, under no circumstance, you would want to lose. And then really, there's anywhere from six to uh, nine or ten guys who you could at least argue. Now, I don't think anyone is gonna, you know, uh, climb a wall to to make sure that absolutely Bryce Wilson is with the Braves next year, but. Um, but if you want to say no, they need to prioritize young pitching. Then and you want him instead of Camargo or Will Smith. You don't want to pay a reliever, whatever. Um, I kind of want to. I kind of want to get. I kind of want to do a smaller list too. Like, what if it was? What if it was eight? Or what Ooh. if it was ten? Yeah. Because there you, you go. get into like, as I said, I think there's five absolute locks at the major league level: Acuna, Albi, Soroka, Freeman, and Free. That's five. If I told you that you get eight only, mm. do you take? Pache, Waters, and Wright, or um, do you take another major leaguer? Um, it's just interesting. Like I'm not saying yeah. you have to do this. I'm not saying you have to do this now, but you, you could almost. I know this is. We stole this idea from MLB Trade Rumor, which, which is cool, and you, we attributed it to them multiple times. But this would be fun to do in different yeah. levels. I think for me, if you're, if you're bored right now. Yeah. <laughs> if you're bored right now, thinking about baseball, like I'd rather, I'm much rather talk about this stuff than actual labor negotiations. I enjoy baseball. So yeah, like and also if you wanted to come up with 20, that would be cool. I mean, mm-hmm. you you start getting into minor league distinctions really fast there. Because as we as we both said, there're not a lot of major league candidates. <laughs> but um yeah. Yeah. And be you be talking about guys like that we didn't really mention a whole lot like like Trey Harris and Bryce Ball and uh, maybe some of the lower pitchers that I'm not as as familiar with as someone like Eric would be. So yeah. Um, maybe maybe Road to Atlanta will do this and yell at us and about how dumb we are that we don't have a sun prospect on the list. 
someone somebody said like wow you must be really bored to be doing this it's like yes, yes. i am very bored <laughs> you're it's also, absolutely it's also right. content yeah. i mean uh i know yeah. i know the great chris willis fearless leader of the site i you know between chris and ivan and eric and people that have been generating content every day like i mean i i run i run the equivalent of talking chop for the atlanta hawks it's called peachtree hoops uh i have a smaller staff and granted the Hawks fan base is not as big as the Braves fan base, but I can tell you it's really hard to run a site when nothing happening, especially when you, all of your plans are out the window and the season's supposed to be starting. Um, and the fact that we've actually been able to produce content every day of some sort is pretty impressive. Um, so shouts to Chris and everybody that yeah. made that happen. Um, and this kind of fits into that. I mean, it's not an idea that like would come easily all the time. Like, I don't think you write this post today if baseball's happening, um, but it's still fun. <laughs> yeah. Why not? better than the alternative of, of yeah no it is i mean it, it, you got to find ways to have fun with sports and you know again i think everybody would rather be uh tonight actually this week would have been uh braves cardinals in uh sun truster truest rather uh so yeah i would much rather be chatting with you you know breaking down game three of the series versus this but alas here we are and oh uh, i mean yeah, you, you, you said you team. said truest you said truest that i have not come to grips with that just yet i, I it's I, been sun trust yep i still say sun trust yeah in fact when you said that it took me a second to be like what is oh yeah that's the name of the baseball stadium that the Braves yep. play in supposedly <laughs> when they actually play baseball again because you know normally when we were doing when we do this podcast we would have talked about the stadium if not every week we would have referenced it at some point yeah and i would probably be used to it by now but because i haven't been talking about base like actual baseball truest park is not in my head yet i know it exists mm-hmm. that's the name but uh, yeah, hmm. get used to that at some point. Maybe we'll maybe we'll be talking about it. Yeah, and the to bring to bring things full circle, we're really hoping, like really hoping, that baseball will exist in like mid July. That'd be fun. Um, so get yourself together, owners, please. Please, yep. Everyone set aside their differences. Everybody is going to wake up rich tomorrow. Uh, but, but, but figure it out and except for uh, maybe the a's owner who might uh, yeah. who, who's apparently too poor to pay uh, apparently yeah uh, or pay or pay rent on the stadium which is that's honestly that's almost funnier to me that sounds like it's going to get him in more trouble than not paying some maybe you know, funnier is the maybe, maybe, funny, maybe funny <laughs> maybe funny is the wrong word but uh yeah. being in arrears on the stadium rent is just uh like a chef's kiss moment on the uh on the a's anyway all right scott um People should be checking out this post that you wrote as well as subscribing to this podcast. Follow Scott on the Twitter machine where I'm sure, 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 he'll be talking about NHL playoff scenarios very soon. Yes, very excited. Dude, if we get hockey and basketball playoffs in the month of you know July and August. You don't I, care about basketball playoffs at all. That's like you the don't one care. time a year I watch. I, I'm like, I'll watch <laughs> it. I mean, dude, I would watch like anything at this point. Um, of course. But but no, hockey playoffs all in. NBA, well, I mean, I'll, I'll if it's on, I'll. I would much rather watch that than God knows what on Netflix. Like, <laughs> I'm yeah, running out of stuff to watch slowly but surely. Um, Listen, but yeah, we talked yeah. about this earlier, and it's it's a good time to get this in now because Grav, good friend of the program and talking chop zone, uh, mentioned this on Twitter. Uh, I don't really tweet about non sports very much, but uh, just as a PSA, I, I tweeted this earlier. HBO Max is out, and the OC is on there, and I love the OC. Unashamed, unashamed to say it. The OC is now on a streaming service for free if you have that subscription. So check that out. And I know you love it too. 
The OC. I've never seen an episode. I'm just saying. I know you love it too, Scott. You, you talked about. I need it. something to this, watch. This is this, this is an emer- this is an emergency podcast. You called it. We were we were not going to do a podcast until you tweeted at me. <laughs> we have to do. It. I'm kidding. That's not true. But no. uh, if you've not seen the OC, Scott, I don't know if you have HBO Max, but if you do, I or, think or I you, still have like my old college roommates. Or uh, I can I can loan I can loan you. Uh, there you go. Offline my subscription. <laughs> We, if we get real bored, if baseball doesn't happen, we might do a uh, an OC watch with me and Scott on the podcast. I have no idea what we're going to do, um, but <laughs> if you want, if you want to avoid that, hope for baseball. Uh, vote for baseball. There you go. There's your title for the podcast. Vote for baseball. Vote for baseball. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. Well, thank you, Scott, for doing this. We've somehow managed to get almost an hour of content out again. And as I promised before, if there is an agreement of some sort, um, we'll do a podcast shortly after. I don't know if it's going to be that day, depending on when it, when it lands. But we will ramp into baseball mode. I promise. We, we will start doing more like more back to basics preview content. Maybe remind some people about who's on the team, for instance, and like get, get back in the saddle. So hopefully that's going to happen in the next week or two. Let's hope, man. Uh, fingers crossed. And like you said. <laughs> sports what a time i just i hope uh i hope we're i feel like there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel i hope we can get there there's a lot a lot of stuff to get through until we get to the end of the tunnel but um maybe we'll get there vote for baseball uh subscribe to the podcast tell a friend or two or three about the show and we'll see everybody Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com starts.